0: To Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint. Chris Yao, Maurice Patton here on this Thursday, a Throwback Thursday edition. A brand new segment coming your way later in the show. If you missed one of our favorite segments, it's a brand new segment, but it's yes, this is a weird one. It's new today, but it's old. mm -hmm. It's very. uh, It's it's hard to. We'll explain. explain. Basically, one of our favorite <laughs> interviews from from earlier in the week, or even who knows, it could be from you know way back, depending on you know what the deci- or, what the conversation is about.
1: Or last week, as is the case today.
0: And so uh, we're going to play you one of our favorite interviews. So looking forward to, to showing you that. And we've got two special special guests joining us: Brad Slaughter of. Santa Fe, and yes, Ian here in Tennessee. uh, Santa Fe is pronounced Mm -hmm. Santa Fe. So things things are a little weird here in Tennessee. Much like they would tell you, it's weird in New Mexico. There you go. So yeah. (laughs) And so it's all
1: about perspective. It's all
0: about perspective. But uh, we do appreciate you guys hanging out with us again. Brad Slaughter is going to join us from the Santa Fe Wildcats. We'll also talk with former Ole miss and duke head coach former tennessee offensive coordinator and former boss the brand new austin p head football coach jeff ferris we're going to talk with david cutcliffe now serving as assistant commissioner of football in the southeastern conference Uh, we're going to talk to him about you know his former protege and what that means for austin p up in clarksville Maybe some other things that come up, considering what happened last night, the Southeastern Conference announcing their 2024 football schedule.
1: Well, I mean, once we've got Coach Cut, we're going to have a tough time letting him go. Yeah, so.
0: there's no doubt, no doubt. It's, it's going to be a uh, <laughs> a coach. You know, if you if you got to run, let us know. Yeah. Otherwise,
1: otherwise, <laughs> we're we're going to take you right up until we can't. Then. <laughs> so, guys, I got to go. All right, cool. We understand. Yeah, but. But until then,
0: mm-hmm. we're just going to rapid fire.
1: Now, here's the thing. I'm not sure that that's going to necessarily come with Coach Cut either. Nah, who knows? He, He's, he, he, he enjoys talking. He enjoys us. We've we've been fortunate enough to have him on at the last two SEC media days, and it was a treat. So,
0: and looking it, forward to yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, and it's not like you guys don't go back oh. always. So, <laughs> There's there's plenty to talk about with Coach Cup. Co. We're gonna to get to that. We we've got listen, we're actually gonna talk NBA today without a guest.
2: So Oh we are <laughs> so <laughs>
0: tune in for
3: that. Buckle up.
0: Because it should be fun. Terry <laughs> McCormick will join us as well to talk about the Titans at the top of the hour. All of that is coming your way here in just mere moments. But first, we need to get you the uh, results from yesterday and this morning as I uh, finalize that score on the rundown.
1: Here's the rundown. Men's basketball action from Wednesday night. Tennessee State went up to Lynchburg, Virginia, and dropped a 74-52 decision to Liberty. This morning, a little matinee action as Austin Peay's women defeated Fisk 72-64. They
0: needed a 26-14 fourth quarter in order to obtain that eight-point win. Oh
1: wow! Okay. The Lady Bulldogs kind of serve in notice, they, huh? they
0: They were they were
4: okay. certainly
1: in Good. the game. Good for them. Okay. Um, in the association last night, Houston with a 117-104 win over the Memphis Grizzlies. Today's high school basketball schedule, these are all doubleheaders, all beginning at 6 o'clock with the girls' games. Guys to follow. Clarksville is at Clarksville Northwest. Loretto is at Cornersville. Cullioka hosting Moore County, Donaldson Christian takes on visiting Lead Academy, Lewis County travels the short trip to Hampshire, Creekwood is at Harpeth, and Clarksville Northeast is at Henry County. Still trying to get
0: Lewis County to annex. (laughs) Dixon County is at Kirkwood tonight, Lawrence County hosting Muscle Shoals of Alabama. They bring the number one hits with them, that'd be great. Liberty <laughs> Creek is at Maplewood. Mount Pleasant tonight on com. You can hear sultry tones of Wade Neely and myself. Giles County will be at Mount Pleasant, 6 p.m. It is the Main Street Media Game of the Week, presented by the Tennessee Highway Safety Office. You also have community at Murfreesboro Central. Rossviews at home against West Creek and Kenwood goes to Springfield. And girls-only action, Smyrna, is at Holloway. What is that? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Holloway is a brand of sports clothing. That is what I know. That's the 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 the, the, the old pullovers we have are Holloway. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the only thing I know about Holloway.
1: Holloway is in Murfreesboro. I did not know they had an athletic program. Apparently, they do they have a girls' team. Girls at, basketball, least.
0: at least.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: Men's basketball tonight. Jacksonville
0: State is up at Wisconsin, six o'clock on the Big Ten Network. Uh, women's basketball. Cumberland and Warner are probably over by now, as a matter of fact. Let's see if Cumberland has the score schedule. But they do. 58-39 winners were the Lady Phoenix. Phoenix? Mm-hmm. Lady Phoenix? That's weird. Uh, <laughs> at Warner, so winners there. They'll play tomorrow at 1 p.m. against Weber International down there at Warner. Also tonight, Chattanooga is at Lipscomb. And in the NFL... On Thursday Night Football, Amazon Prime at 7.15. It's the Chargers of Los Angeles and
1: the Raiders of Las Vegas, just so you know. And neither of them will be with their starting quarterback from week one. This will be the most least
0: interesting Thursday night game since the Broncos. You, since, and since
1: the last one? Probably. <laughs> Easton Stick. Getting his first career start for the Chargers with um, Justin Easton Stick from North Dakota State, I believe. After um, Justin Herbert underwent season ending surgery on a broken right index finger, and Purdue's Aiden McConnell has been installed as QB1 for the Raiders. For a while now. Well, yeah, he's been in there for a little bit because Jimmy Garoppolo got exposed, basically.
0: There you As go. the Josh <laughs> McDonald. And so that is, folks, you'll run that.
3: Smiles. These are the healthy smiles of real Delta dental members. Welcome back.
0: Yeah. Um, top stories brought to you by our friends at Piggly Wiggly, Neely's Mill no Shopping Center in Columbia. Make sure to go by and see those folks if you are
1: hungry. Hungry <laughs> now or later. If, you, if, if you're hungry for something to eat immediately or if you're hungry for something that you don't mind cooking, then they've got Piggly Wiggly is your place.
0: <laughs> That's the best part. That's the best thing that you can have, though, right? A place where I can get food now and, food and later. like later. This yes. is a good day. They've got great cobblers, meats, vegetables. It's all delicious at the deli. You can go by and pick up lunch or early dinner. You can also get fresh hand-cut meats, great produce, all cost plus 10 at the register. That is 10% above their cost. So today's top story caught me off guard, Mo. Not going to lie. As I was scrolling through Twitter as you're wont to do during (laughs) before the show, since I'm not allowed to during the show anymore. (laughs) For yesterday's debacle. Uh we I uh I came across a a little exciting news as Brentwood Academy has hired a football coach.
1: They have indeed and there is a story on the mainstreetpreps.com website to that effect paul wade who spent the last six years four-time champ paul wade four-time champ paul wade spent the last six years at donaldson christian winning the last of those four state championships um after previously serving as head coach at davidson as an assistant at Christ Presbyterian and as an assistant at Ensworth, has taken over the reins of the Brentwood Academy Eagles. And basically this kind of fulfills the expectations of a number of folks in and around high school sports in middle Tennessee in that Brentwood Academy would we'll stay a little closer to home with this hire after Jacob Gill, a former assistant over at Shiloh Christian in Arkansas departed after one historically bad season in that program, two and 10. I don't think Brentwood Academy was that bad in their first season of football. So, you
0: know, well, to that point, that that division, that region is disgustingly difficult, and I understand that. But Brentwood Academy was one of the reasons it was supposed to be disgustingly difficult, and <laughs> it turns out that the 2023 version of the Eagles were less than stellar. Um, that being said, you know, Paul Wade is – as far as it goes around here probably one of the best coaches that they could have hoped to have gotten i mean engel martin's not leaving cpa and there's just that's that's just not happening but when you talk about guys who are solidified in middle tennessee have a long history of success paul wade is right there among the tops of that list.
1: Absolutely, and again, he's done it both as a head coach, four state championships, um, 12 state championship game appearances over 32 total seasons. Um, Coach 21, Mr. Football finalists, seven winners and has sent 70 players Onto the collegiate ranks, so, and he's, and you said it. He he was as good as they could have hoped to have gotten. I think, um, well respected, not just for his success, but I mean he's just just a good dude.
0: He is a good dude,
1: and he's going to get Brentwood Academy. Back on solid ground pretty quickly. I don't think they're that far from it.
0: No, I mean when you've got guys like, and this article mentions a five-star quarterback, George McIntyre, uh, Tamari Hill, Colby Harmon, Shavar Young, and Easton Joiner. Those guys are among like,
5: others. Yeah,
0: those <laughs> guys are just the top of the the iceberg. I mean, it is it, it is a school that is just loaded. With talent just waiting to be uncovered, and they've got plenty of it. I think this is going to be huge. Um, Jason Matthews, athletic director and dean of community engagement at Brentwood Academy, said Coach Wade has been building football teams for years and works to get the most out of each individual student athlete. I think that's huge. More importantly, he also excels in building character, resilience, and a strong work ethic in his players. He will not be outworked, and the Brentwood Academy football team is in excellent hands i think that that is as accurate a statement as you could say about paul
6: White,
1: yeah so. um looking forward to seeing how this evolves meanwhile donson christian is in the market for a head coach
0: yeah and you know that's that is the part of the coaching carousel that you know, sometimes gets over.
1: There are dominoes,
0: D- dominoes, in fact. So what does Donaldson Christian do? How many of those folks from Paul Wade's staff follow him and you know, et cetera?
1: So and it's, meanwhile, it, it's interesting when you particularly look at Division two, because Donaldson Christian is available. BG. Battleground Academy is available. Ensworth is available. Um, it's going to be interesting.
0: No, and I'm always curious, especially in D2, because it is a little bit, it's a little bit different. And when we've talked about this about, you know, we talked about George Quarles and how he wants to stay in the in the Tennessee system. And to do that, you have to be at a public school. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, Division Two schools have typically now. Endsworth, Brentwood Academy, they're a little bit different in that regard. But they a lot of D2 schools have limitations because of that. They either have to go with a guy who's retired and wants to double dip, you know, like Gary Rankin at Boyd Buchanan, he, you know, left the school public school system at Alcoa and then went to Boyd Buchanan and is coaching there, or a young guy who maybe, you know, has never been a head coach before, like here in Columbia, where, you know, Seth Anderson is, is the head coach. And so you're kind of in a weird situation when you're a private school and in, in searching for head coaches, because you are a little bit hamstrung on, you know, maybe your, your talent pool.
1: It's, it's different. And they typically have other constraints. That they have to deal with from job to job, so so I'll, I'll, I'll be yeah. I, I'll be fascinated to see how each of those three searches plays out here locally. Um, but congratulations to Coach Wade and congratulations to the Brentwood powers Academy. that be at Brentwood Academy because I think they, well, I know they had to get this right and I think they did get it right. So good for them.
0: Absolutely. All right. Um, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll hand out some hardware. Now, do you want to do... Oh, I did it again. I did it again. For, no. the, for the second time in two the days. Second time, not just two. Did it last week, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did it last week, too. Did not mean to. Let's go to the Tennessee Sports Writing Association's Players of the Week.
1: Well, and I had them up, and I lost them. <laughs> Um, Jalen Page of Trevecca is the TSWA men's basketball player of the week. And I'm going to tell you why here in just a second. Because I, too, was caught a little off guard. Come on. Had a double double did Mr. Page in a big Trevecca victory over Malone at Malone. 26 points and 10 boards in the Trojans. 69 65 win Saturday and can't know how, which is where Malone is located. Um, he okay. Also, you know yeah, well, now, now you know um, for the week which also included a loss against Christian brothers. Jalen Page averaged 23 and points, nine boards, um, 15 to 31 from the floor, eight of 16 from three and nine of 11 from the free throw line. Um, it's a good day. That's, that's not bad. On the women's side, we were just speaking of her team a couple of seconds ago. Um, Fisk senior, Maya Buchanan, in three games, the Lady Bulldogs lost to North Alabama, lost at North Alabama. They defeated Wiley College out of Texas, and they defeated Philander Smith out of Arkansas. But in those three games, Maya Buchanan averaged 27.3 points, 16.3 boards. She scored 29 of 60 points in that loss to North Alabama, 12 of 18 from the floor with 11 boards, 26 points, 23 rebounds against Wiley, 27 points, 15 rebounds against Philander Smith. She, at the time of this announcement, had recorded double-doubles in eight of her nine games, and two of those games were 2020 performances now. Let's see if we can see. No, stats against Austin P are not posted yet. That's unfortunate, but I'm betting she had another big game today. So, congratulations to Fisk's Maya Buchanan and Treveka's Jalen Page, the Tennessee Sports Writers Association's Women's and Men's Basketball Players of the Week. This is the second time Ms. Buchanan has been recognized. So,
0: my guess is she had a pretty good day today, too. My, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going gonna, gonna to throw it I'm going on a limb and say it's probably what happened. I mm-hmm. don't know, but it's, it's, it's like.
1: It kind of feels like <laughs> as she goes, so go the Lady bull, Bulldogs.
0: That so. is what it appears.
1: Yeah. All right. Now. Now,
0: we'll take a break. On the other side, Coach's Corner with Brad Slaughter. He'll join us. We'll also hand out some hardware to some local folks. And much, much more. So to come here on the Stay presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Welcome back. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. Welcome back to Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Chris Yow Maurice Patton here on this Thursday edition, a throwback Thursday, where we'll bring you one of our favorite interviews over the last week or so. And, yeah, should be fun. I think so. And looking forward to to reliving that interview with Steve Lehman from last week? Last Tuesday? Wednesday. Wednesday. Last Wednesday. Wednesday. That's right, because it was the same day as the Tennessee Mm -hmm. middle game. But – that's coming up a little bit later in the show. We've also got David Cutcliffe who will join us as well as Terry McCormick. But right now we stay in the preps range. We'll take you from preps to pros, I promise. So we're going to start in preps right now and go to Coach's Corner where Santa Fe Wildcats boys coach Brad Slaughter joins us, uh, most likely from, you know,
1: a secure location. It's highly secure
8: Very secure (laughs) here, guys.
1: We we certainly hope so. (laughs) Yeah. Brad, appreciate you taking some time with us, man. Hey, um, two numbers that we need to throw at Brad. All right.
0: Wind up pitch. Ten. (laughs) And?
1: Which is the number of games that Santa Fe has won in ten tries. And? So zero is not the second number no zero is not the second number the okay. second number is one thousand nine hundred sixty four okay that's the number of points that Fe junior alden slaughter currently has making him one the school's all-time leading score as a junior it's a total that he adds to every time he goes out on the floor and it puts him Now, I know you're from Alabama, but I'm sure you can do this math. It puts him 36 points short of
0: I did already do the math.
1: 2000 for his career, which would make him the second guy locally to hit that milestone. But the only underclassman. Um, Brad, what's it like seeing your son have that kind of success on a nightly basis?
8: Uh, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty awesome. I got, you got to say, you know, it's uh, coaching him from the time he was little. It's really how I got into coaching. You know, it was by accident. I, I only intended to uh, coach like a little kids league at uh, Zion. We, it was an up, upward was the league and somehow I've just kind of came with him the rest of the way, I guess. But uh, you know, he's, he's loved the game since he was little. He's put in the work. And so uh, you know, to see somebody that, that works that hard get to, you know, go perform well, it's, it's, we're happy for him.
1: You're a Santa Fe graduate. The Slaughter surname is pretty much synonymous with Santa Fe. Um, older son Andy graduated as the school's all time leading scorer with 1,591 points. I don't know when Auden went by that, but clearly he blew by it. Um, Again, he's a junior coming up on 2,000 points with an entire senior season to go after this year. I mean, he's going to get a season and a half to go. Yeah, he's going to put that number someplace where well, it's going to be pretty safe by the time he gets it done. But I mean, for you, uh, again, you, you discussed that as a parent, but as a Santa Fe graduate, a Santa Fe product, to see somebody come through and, and do what he's done has got to be pretty pretty amazing
8: yeah it really is and and I'll say uh we're we're going to have to protect him from watching this for the next couple of days uh, does he not know so, so no, it's all good, but uh, awesome. so uh i I had a uh teammate when I was in high school in Santa Fe, a real good basketball player that uh was approaching a thousand points. And uh, let's just say, in case he's watching, that he fell off a little bit, uh, knowing he was approaching it. So, so I've always taken the stance of not telling him, which we're we're safe that uh, I I don't think he'll be watching. But uh, no, it's um it's it's really cool to 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 see it. I mean, I think, uh you know, his, his goal from going into high school was to be able to become the all time leading scorer, and he he actually got that in the district championship game last year. So that one, that one meant a lot. And then is, you know, p- picked up from there. So, um, but I will say for, for me and him both um, he's, you know, as the all time leading scorer, it's we're really focused more on it. He's got tournament ambitions. You know, that's, that's what he talks about more than anything is, uh, you know, being able to get us uh, a, a trip to Murfreesboro. That's something that, that Santa Fe's never done. And, you know, is uh, that that's the one on his bucket list that he's got highlighted as uh, to, to take the trip to Murfreesboro.
1: And and I would imagine that one burns kind of bright from the standpoint that you guys fell in a home sectional his freshman year, one of the best high school games I've seen, by the way. Yeah. But fell in the home sectional his freshman year, lost in the region quarterfinals last year. Yeah, right? region
8: quarterfinals last year. Yeah.
1: And so really kind of feels like a little unfinished business for you guys coming into this year, I guess.
8: Yeah, it does. Um, and, you know, it's it's just such a competitive district and region. And um, I, I think what the, you know, the second number you threw out, the 10 and 0, what's, uh, you know, the, the the reason we're there is just respecting our opponent every single night. Uh, I think what this, this group has done a really good job of so far is understanding that, you know, we believe, we believe that we can beat anybody any night, but we also believe that uh, anybody can beat us any night. And we've, we've stayed humble and, you know, made sure we come out and work hard every night, but we've, we've been fortunate. I mean, we've had four razor close games, two overtime wins and it's, you know, um, we know that that every night we're going to have to show up. So just uh, got to be performing come tournament time and a lot of season left. And, you know, our goal is to, try to widen the gap, which that's what everybody's trying to do. So it's, it's, we're, we're focused on getting in the gym practice and getting better.
0: Mo, when I talked to Andy in his senior year, I guess when he, it may have been when he became the school's all time leading scorer. I said, he, he, he said, I'm just going to enjoy it while I've got it because Alden's coming and he, and I can't <laughs> wait to watch him be the best player this school's ever had. And That was very prophetic of him to say about his freshman brother at the time. And, you know, it just it really just goes to show, uh, you know, the the level of that that you guys have kind of reached over the last few years. Obviously, you know, Andy helped get you guys over that hump. And it just it it feels like that, you know, Santa Fe goes into into these seasons now with an expectation of postseason play and getting past district play and and into the regionals how you know how does that affect your team you know every time out because you know it hasn't always been that way.
8: well i appreciate you saying that number one that's uh i mean that's that's really what me and andy and Auden all wanted to do uh, I, I actually got um, a facebook notification before jumping on a few minutes ago of one of the five year ago reminders when we got mm-hmm. our first win uh so you know just uh five years ago we were just getting our first win that the program had had in two years so um we uh we we worked really hard to to turn it around and like you said I, I believe you know that was was built on uh you know andy's group a lot of andy and colton and that group being, mm-hmm. being good leaders and and pushing Alden every day i think you know they did a great job of developing him that they recognized what he could do and you know, they still come to the games and hold him accountable. They they expect a lot of it you know, They're graduated. And uh you know, it has become an expectation in, in the town and, and we take a lot of pride in that and I think that uh it's something that's regularly talked about. You know, when uh when we have a gym full of people, which we're we're fortunate to have, you know, each night it's not one of the gyms you go to that's empty. It's, uh, you know, awesome student section and, you know, people that don't have kids on the team that that are loyal and come out every night that, you know, we, we know we got to do our best for, for the community as well. So, um, yeah, yeah, we're playing for, for more than just us, for sure.
1: Brad Slaughter, boys basketball coach, Santa Fe Unit School, joining us here on Coach's Corner on Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint, the Wildcats 10-0. and 0. Um They head over toward the River Tuesday to take on a McEwen team that they've already beaten once at home, 66-47, about a week and a half ago as part of this 10-0 start to the season. And, you know, obviously, Brad, you can't talk about this team without talking about Alden. He was averaging 33 and a half points a game coming into this week. Uh, I think he had 41 Tuesday night against Perry County. Um, I'm sure he had a big night on Monday against Frank Hughes. I don't have it in front of me, but I mean, at the same time, you don't have the success that you guys are having off of just one guy.
8: No, I mean, that, um, that's, that's the, the complete difference, you know, from, from the last couple years and his, uh, freshman year is that you know, we've got other guys doing it. Uh, we've number one, it's, you know, as you hear me say all the time, it's the, the coach's thing. I think, but it's you know, it's based on our defense. We, uh, which which truly takes five. You know, if if we ever have a get one guy that's not defending at a really high level, you can tell it, and you know, the whole unit breaks. So I think, you know, number one, all of the guys, even the ones that aren't in the scoring column. You know, the Austin Hazlett, uh, Caleb Hazlett, those those guys don't score a lot, but those are two of the the better defensive players you'll see, especially for their size. They they, they work hard for us every night, and um, you know we we've, we've been shooting it well. I mean, making accidents shooting it forty percent from the three point line, averaging uh, I believe just over sixteen points a game. Uh, you know, Auden shooting at close to forty percent from the three point line. Jack Slaughter coming off the bench for us is shooting it at forty percent from the three point line, and uh, you know multiple guys getting in the scoring column. I, I think we had. Uh, was looking at, I think we had 13 games last year that uh, we had less than six points from people outside of Auden and Macon, and that has we have not had that happen yet. So uh, we're we're getting the the contribution from all the guys, and you know we talk about everybody being a threat. So uh, you know the, the the way teams like to play Auden, it's it's going to open things up, and if we can, you know, continue to take advantage of that, things will open up late for him, which is you know really what happened uh, against Frank Hughes. He uh, Auden had had 13 points going into the fourth quarter, and uh, you know was was just hitting open guys who were making them pay, and you know they adjust and he scores 21 points in the fourth quarter. So uh, you know that's that's how we ideally want to be able to do it. If if teams overfocus on Auden, we want him to make good decisions and and get the other guys involved, and so so far so good.
1: You talk about this defense, Brad, you guys have given up 55 points twice this year, given up 50 points twice this year. And your other six games, you've held opponents to 48 or less. And again, with the way you guys play offensively, you got to like your chances when you're doing that on the other end.
8: Right. Like, as you said, we we, we get up and down the floor and have a lot of possessions in the the games that we play. So, um, you know, we, we really just try to focus on our opponent's field goal percentage. Uh, you know, we, we want to, we want to keep our opponents in, in the low thirties or are lower and, uh, and, and not allow second, second chance shots. So, uh, rebounding has been a big focus too. Um, we, you know, d- defense doesn't do you any good if you don't finish it and rebound. So, uh, we're, we're we've still got some, some improvement to do there, but we've, uh, we've won more games on the rebound battle than we've lost, which, you know, again, I think last year we, we out-rebounded our opponent twice last year. So um, that's that's something we're really focusing on that can help us come tournament time if we continue to get better rebounding.
0: Well, you mentioned it. how, you know, you talked about how guys play for their size. You don't have a lot of size. So when you've got – you have to have five guys going to the backboard every single possession and, you know – to be able to get kids to buy in and be tough and physical that way is is really impressive. I mean, you guys do a great job of rebounding basketball.
8: Yeah, uh, yeah, we do. And and I'll say, I think uh, there's little credit I can take for it. Some, sometimes toughness <laughs> is is just in some boys, and you know, we got some some boys I believe are born tough uh, that just like to get after it and like to bang. So so they they make it easy on me.
0: Well, oh, you guys have had a fantastic start to the season. Obviously, you know, the real season is still ahead of you, you know, but but it has yeah. been a a really, uh, really impressive start to the year. So how, how do you feel going into district play? How do you feel like this team stacks up now that you've seen some other guys, some other teams in the district, as well as your guys actually get on the floor?
8: Well, I think it's, you know, probably part of our success, but um, I'm I'm nervous every night we line up, Chris, Uh, you know, I I, I don't know who made this schedule, but, you know, (laughs) I I, I really do feel like every team we've played so far could have beat us, and and I don't see that changing much, you know, as as we go into district and and region, you know, uh, Richland's obviously tough, Eagle in the region, we played them twice, very, you know, fortunate to come out with a win in both of those, so, uh, it's it's a really tough district and, and region and we just gotta you know again try to try to widen that gap and, and do the little things right and uh, rely on our defense. So you know, I think we we start with Calioka at home. Uh, we are lucky to have a little bit of a, a home start to district play. So I feel good about that, but got to bring it every night for sure.
1: Three straight home games to open District 10A play. Once you do come back. From the holidays you got calioka corners and richland all coming to your place and if you're going to that richland game you might want to get there early mm-hmm. because yeah. the wayne walters gymnasium is not large and i think there will be plenty of people wanting to see that ball game so um we're looking forward to it save me a seat <laughs> brad be. slaughter the boys basketball coach you must,
5: if you want a
0: seat saved you need to talk you want to talk to the boss, not to Brad. Trust me. Yeah. I, I've got
1: Ashby's phone number as well.
8: <laughs> she, she runs the show there. Yeah, reach well, out to
1: I, I think I'll be in good shape. I but think um, will. Brad, we appreciate it, man. Thank you for joining us here on Coach's Corner.
8: Yeah, guys. Thanks for having me. See ya. All right. All right.
1: The okay. countdown has begun. Yeah, I'm telling to you. To 2000. Actually, it's been on for, for yeah. a minute, I think. So, again, you, you, I, I thought you were going to ask me if you could. Hop a seat on
0: the bus.
1: I don't think I'll be done here by the time they leave.
0: Probably. We may just have to be on this show from the bus with your phone. There we go. There we go. (laughs) The road road show. The road show for sure. All right. Let's hand out some hardware, man. We've got some local folks who deserve a little recognition.
1: Absolutely.
0: And so we'll start with the end-to-end life team of the week. Presented by Custom Stone Handlers, again, 931-490-4990 is the number, customstonehandlers.com. They proudly encourage young people to get in the game.
1: Our Custom Stone Handlers into Win Life team of the week this week is the Summertown Lady Eagles. Picked up a couple of victories last week, 66-30 over Collinwood, 68-46 over at Spring Hill, and... Nicely dovetailed with the return of senior guard, Carly Campbell, who had. um, She had a thoracic outlet syndrome situation that kind of impacted her golf season, and they were still trying to get that addressed. And and she missed the first few games of the basketball season. But, you know, anytime you get a senior guard, an experienced senior guard back, it makes a difference. And it certainly did.
0: What did you say her name was?
1: Carly Campbell. I think the,
0: Is that what they call? I don't know.
1: Oh, they call her Rue. <laughs> yes. I'm sorry. In, case,
0: in case you ever if, go. If, yeah, the you, yeah, I'm okay. sorry. If you
1: didn't know who Carly Campbell was in Summertown, you might not. Rue <laughs> is back and she's back with a vengeance. Yes. Yeah, so um, a couple of big wins for, for Summertown last week, as they are our custom stone handlers team of the week. The Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint Athlete of the Week. It feels a little odd recognizing For
0: this person in basketball.
1: Exactly. Yeah. The University of Tennessee softball signee Savia Morgan of Columbia Central is our. MTBJ athlete of the week averaged 18 and points and eight steals in a couple of Columbia Central uh, Central wins last week. Eight steals. Average. averaged. Yeah, which means she probably had more than that in one game. Yeah. Hmm. Um, scored 21 points in a 48-32 40, win over Summit. Um, again, they also won 66-26 at Hickman County and defense travels.
0: So I want to say this because, and and I don't mean this disrespectful to Savaya, but the first time I watched her play basketball, I would have never thought she'd score 21 points in a game. And the improvement as a basketball player she has made, From that first time to now.
1: I think what she's done is she's grown into her skills.
0: Right. That's Well, I mean, she just, she went from, you know, a really quick defender who, you know, kind of struggled to have control on the offensive side to someone who's, who's now controlling her body. She controls her arms. She controls the way that she stops and shoots it has been one of the most impressive improvements I've ever seen from a girl's athlete. And it just goes to show the type of athlete she is and the type of athlete that Tennessee's getting on the softball field. It's going to be incredible.
1: It really is. I am I mean, as, as much as she's done um, on the basketball court, she's even more dynamic in softball. But the one thing that I enjoy about watching Savaya, one, she plays hard. She does. Every play. And two, she can get her shot from anywhere. Uh-huh. And, and she creates. Uh huh. She's just fun to watch, man. And this Columbia Central girls basketball team is fun to watch as well. Looking forward to seeing what they do here, heading into the break and after. So, congratulations to her, to them, and to Summertown's girls as well. All right. We'll take a break. I told you, NBA.
0: We're gonna talk about it. Giannis goes off last night. Oscar Toshibwe <laughs> has some things happen and yeah, things get interesting. Things got real interesting there and beyond. Mm-hmm. So talk about it on the other side of the break, stick around Main Street sports today comes back for this. <laughs>
2: Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service, and our ortho-quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. There we are.
0: That was weird. Hey, welcome back in Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Chris Yow, Mo Patton, and Wade Neely's in studio now as, again, he gets gets set for tonight's Main Street Media Radio Game of the Week, presented by the Tennessee Highway Safety Office, Giles County, Mount Pleasant. Girl fight. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's yeah, a cat fight, bobcats, tigers. County cats and county cats. It's just all kind of, but yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I will be on the call with him, so looking forward to that as well. Looking mainly looking forward to dinner. Mm. (laughs)
9: Mm. That's what I'm looking
0: forward to. You're in a hurry. uh, yeah, we're going to get out of here pretty quick. I can tell you.
1: You know what? I might catch up with y'all. It's not that far. No. From From there two hamster Unit school,
0: there you go yeah you just, just hop cut right across hop over. yeah there you go
1: yeah is. i think that's that's the jam that might
0: be what you do i'll see you. the pizza place there. is mm. where we will be if you want to come by. come coffee. on through pull up as <laughs> the kids
1: would say that,
5: there
0: you go i said something the other i said something the other day on twitter and i, I don't remember what it was but it was some you know new slang term that everybody's <laughs> using on tiktok and <laughs> a guy said you don't have to say that. You can just say this. And I was like, yeah, but if I don't, then how will, you know, I stay hip with the kids. There you go. And I put Hell, the meme, put that meme down there it's like, yeah. that's, that's the only way I can do it. I don't that's know it. what 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 do you want from me? Pull up. So anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we, we are talking NBA now because in the association last night, there were a couple of, of of things that took place number one Draymond green and this well, didn't happen last night but well the, well the the
1: incident did not happen last night the fallout the fallout took place yesterday night. yes yes
0: as draymond green's antics hmm. have landed him in an indefinite suspension by the national basketball association
1: you go to your room until i tell you to come out
0: yes <laughs> Uh, that's exactly what's happening here, and I think it's I think or it's great. or
1: as as co- old school coaches would tell you, you gonna run until I'm tired. It, it,
0: uh, again, again, much needed. <laughs> so his third ejection mm. results, this year? yeah, results this year. in in his indefinite suspension from the league at
1: this, this point. year. For which now. John Morant was suspended for 25 games. Mm -hmm. He's still not back yet. That's right. The season is less than 25 games old. And Draymond has been suspended, uh, ejected three times. Three times in 23 games. The Warriors are 10 and 13, by the way. I don't know how much one has to do with the other, but.
0: Trent. uh, He wasn't. There we go. He, he wasn't sus- or he Was he ejected in one of the in season tournament games? Because those don't count.
1: That I couldn't tell you.
0: So I'm curious because those don't count. And we know that because of the next topic we're going to talk about.
1: Well, he was last, according to this CBS Sports article, his last suspension was for five games after the infamous chokehold of Rudy Gobert during that game with the Timberwolves. Looked like you tried to put him on a sleeper. Uh uh, So I I don't know if there was one during the in-season tournament that I did not really pay a whole lot of attention to.
0: Draymond said, I sell calls with arms. I don't fall to sell a call. I'm not a flopper. So I was just selling a call. Unfortunately, I hit it. As I've said before, a replay is never going to look good, but I know my intentions, my intentions were to sell a call but I also know I'm not accurate enough puncher to do a full 360 and connect with someone. So, you know, it's unfortunate. This, this is a great, Hey, like, look, I, you got to respect the denial here.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, as my dad used to tell me, if you're going to tell a lie, stick with it.
0: I, <laughs> yeah, so, no doubt. Uh, so I, yeah, this is a, this is going to be an interesting situation. I'm, I'm really curious how Adam Silver and the league handles this situation and, and how long indefinite becomes.
1: I think that's the question. How long is indefinite? I mean, because
0: as of now, he's not sorry.
1: Yeah, and I think there's got to be some contrition at some point before he gets back in uniform. So after, after further review, you know what? I, I really am sorry. I mean, and I don't know. I don't know how you get there from, from that. that denial. This, I, I don't know how you get there. I don't know how you get to my bad from.
0: I that. didn't do it. Yeah. So no. this is going to. It wasn't a punch. Yeah. No. This is going to be interesting. This this will be one of the more interesting things that happens in the
5: NBA this year.
1: So. Does he get more games or less games than Ja for doing something that is legal, was not on the court, was not in season, was it? I don't know.
0: Did not involve another player. And certainly did not involve actual assault. (laughs) Right. So, does he get more or less? I think it ends up being less.
1: That's unfortunate. I, I I especially given Draymond's history.
0: Yeah, I think it ends up being less if if he does find a way to say he's sorry. But uh what yes, Justin, give us give us that statement. I have a lot of respect for him, obviously. Even before this, I still have it. I don't know what people go through, but he's an NBA champion for me, Hall of Famer still.
1: See, that's from the duty hit.
0: So, yeah, I, I mean, whatever. Anyway, so in season tournament games don't count, at least not for points. And last night, Oscar Toshibwe, the Kentucky Product, scored his first official points in the National Basketball Association. Good for him. Good for him.
1: Unfortunately. How many points did he score?
0: I, you know what? I don't even know. I just know it was his first. Well, I, I but feel it like it was, was not 64.
1: Exactly. It was fewer than. Go ahead.
0: It was fewer than the 64 put up by Giannis. And, and you, you you say it way better than I do. So compo, There you go. I'm going to point to you like that. Like, like Pete Thamel.
1: Pete Thamel. There uh, you go.
0: But. Giannis puts up 64 which is not only a career high for him but a franchise record for the Timberwolves. No, no, no. For the Timberwolves. He doesn't play for the Timberwolves. I mean, not the tip for the Bucks. Yeah. That's wild. Because because Kareem, Kareem played for him, yeah. Oscar Robertson um never scored 64. Bobby Dandridge. Didn't
3: Ray Allen play for the Bucks?
0: A, for a, a moment, yes. Wow, a franchise record, 64
1: points. I never would have thought. Goodness Let's gracious.
0: Let's go to the post game interview with uh, the the Pacers head coach, wherever he comes from.
10: For, whatever, whatever what score. happened at the after the game was uh, was unfortunate. There was there's a misunderstanding about the game ball. Um, it was Oscar Shebue's first NBA official NBA point, so we always get the game ball. We were not thinking about Giannis's franchise record, so we grabbed the ball, and um, a couple of, a couple of minutes later, several of their players ended up in our hallway, and there was a big. A uh, big—I don't know—I don't know what to call it—a fracas, melee, whatever. I don't think any punches were landed, but my general manager got elbowed in the ribs by one of their players, Um, and so he certainly has a bruised bruised rib, and who knows—you know—if it's anything more than that. But um, unfortunate situation we don't need the the official game ball there's two game balls there um you know we could have taken the other one uh, but it didn't need to escalate to that and so you know really just you know unfortunate third game we played these guys within two and a half three weeks so things are heated with the competition and uh, you know I, I understand all that, but for it to come into the hallway it was didn't need, it didn't need to happen that way. Okay, so
1: Giannis scored 64 points, single game Milwaukee record at Milwaukee. This game was in Milwaukee. Was it? I thought it was. Milwaukee was the home team.
0: Okay. I
1: don't uh, don't recall. Milwaukee was the home team. And I I think there's some significance to that because (laughs) does the home team not provide the basketball? What what gave Rick Carlisle, who didn't know where Terry Taylor went to school, by the way. Yes. Getting at. Okay. Um, What gave the Pacers the right to the game ball on the road to the game ball? And as he said, I mean, if there's two of them, What's the big deal? Just give it up. Get the other one. Get out of there with your loss. Take your L and go. It was an interesting situation,
7: Uh, unfortunately, and it was,
1: but it was an interesting
7: situation that
1: they created.
0: Had did not have to be that way. Look, y'all didn't even ask y'all didn't say Now, uh, the official actually grabbed the basketball on the court. And I assume someone said, Hey, can we get that ball?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Official just
1: hey, sure.
0: I'm getting out of here. Official dumps it off and gets out, and next thing you know, they're off in the tunnel. And what happened was allegedly someone from the Pacers told Giannis, you want the ball, you're not getting the ball. And that's what oh, that's, that's, that's what started that's, Giannis going kind of off. Understandably so. If someone told me that oh you I'm not gonna get the ball
1: bet. bet. <laughs> Meanwhile, Shiwe To say he scored his first points in the NBA is a little misleading. He scored his first point Oh it was a free throw in the NBA. That's unfortunate. In six minutes he was 0 of 1 from the floor, 1 of 2 from the line. One point. Singular. Can Can
0: we just say that this is an unfortunate situation that Oscar Tshibwe is not more productive in the NBA as good as he was at Kentucky?
1: Well, I mean, I think you kind of have to look at the Pacers' makeup, particularly where he plays. I mean, they've got Obi Toppin at the four and Miles Turner at the five. So I'm not sure how much opportunity there is for him, for him to be more productive. Meanwhile, Ben Shepherd, former Belmont standout, scored eight points in six minutes last night. Didn't take weren't trying to get a ball for him though. <laughs> don't take the
0: baseball, don't basketball for him. Yeah. So anyway, I I thought it was I thought it was unfortunate, but. You know hopefully there. Uh, Giannis apparently has a basketball. He says it doesn't feel like the game ball, but he's not <laughs> sure. Uh, so, well, he, it's not
1: like he's gonna be playing with it. So, he, he has mean, a basketball.
0: Get, just let's, let's move on. So, anyway,
1: um, I thought that was fun. it's very interesting. So, again, Giannis with 64 points, single game Milwaukee record. Breaks a record of 57 set by, and you won't, you've never guessed this since I gave you 10 tries. No. Michael Red in November of 2006, former Ohio State standout Michael Red scored 57. Giannis scored 55 in January of this year, which tied Kareem's bucks high and Brandon Jennings's bucks high. So it's, let's see. Um, Giannis has had 54 twice. Kareem had 53, one, two, three, four. Four times. Giannis and Michael Red each had 52, along with Kareem. Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton each had 51. So did Kareem twice. So. 64. 64. A new mark for the Bucks franchise. That's crazy. All right, let's
0: take a break. We've got to get to Terry McCormick for the. Daily Titans report right after the
3: Instagram.
0: Welcome back in time now for the Daily Titans report from Terry McCormick.
6: Terry's got a ball story. Do you have do you have a game ball, Terry? Uh no. Sadly, that's what this story is about. Uh that's unfortunate. By the way, it did is your you, Daily did Titans? You Elbow
0: anybody for it?
6: What's that? He bows. Apparently somebody got elbowed at the Pacers, so Yeah, well, this is a different uh this was when I was coaching little league. My son oh. was pitching. And he threw a no hitter. And the final out of the game, the shortstop made a dive catch to save the no hitter. We were all so excited that he'd saved the no hitter and that my son had the no hitter, I forgot to ask the umpire for the ball after the game. No ball. That's a that is that
0: is unfortunate.
6: You hate you hate that. Right? That
1: really is unfortunate. It's bad umpiring too. Yeah,
6: you gotta know that. Come on, man. Come
1: on. See, so I'm left with the ball. What do you do with it? Yeah, well, it was ball another ball game ball. right after hours, so it was. Well, we it was typically late. give the ball yeah, back to, to the, the coaches. coaches anyway. So, so. yeah. Hmm.
6: Anyway. Who's so play no ball to preserve. Only memories to preserve the no hitter. <laughs>
1: there we go.
6: But gosh, who's going to play quarterback for the Texans? Uh, well, I think um, it's going to be from what people are saying. It might be Davis Mills.
0: Great. Rather
6: than CJ awesome. Stroud. So you know. <laughs> Concussions are not anything to mess around with, so unless C.J. Stroud, you know, gets some miracle recovery and can get out of the protocol uh, here in the next day or so, I'm guessing that it's probably going to be Davis Mills. Here's one thing that I wanted to bring up with you guys today. One thing that, since Will Levis has taken over at quarterback, one area that has improved remarkably, red zone. They are 10 of 18 in scoring red zone touchdowns since Levis took over now seven games in. Before that, they were 7 of 21 in the red zone. And actually, the 55.6% that that 10 of 18 figures out to is exactly the league average. So since he's taken over as the quarterback, they have reached the league average in terms of red zone touchdown scoring.
0: That is good news. That is
1: good news. That's something to... Hang your head on going into this, into this final four games. Um, Terry, tell us about Zen Sports. All righty.
6: The new sports betting app exclusively in Tennessee the last few months, and I'm excited to share with you some big news. Now, when you sign up for a Zen Sports account, you will receive up to a $1,000 no-danger first wager. That's right. When you place your first bet in Zen Sports with up to plus 500 odds, you can be reimbursed for the amount of your bet up to a $1,000 maximum within 24 hours if the bet loses. And there's more good news Zen Sports is rolling out its brand new VIP rewards program. This new VIP rewards program will allow top tier customers to earn more bonuses, comps, and perks. The VIP program is by invite only, so if you feel your Zen Sports play qualifies for VIP consideration, please check out the program details and apply at zensports.com slash VIP. No other sportsbook will offer you a premier sports betting experience with 24-7 top-tier customer support and faster withdrawals than Zen Sports. So what are you waiting for? Get going and download their app at zensports.com today. Zen Sports, betting just got better gambling problem, call 1-800-889-9789. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 and older and in Tennessee to bet.
3: Smiles. These are the healthy smiles of real Delta Dental members. Folks with access to the nation's largest network of dentists and low-deductible plans with 100% preventive care coverage, all backed by over 65 years of expertise. Go online or give us a call to learn about affordable, individual plans that meet your needs. one
0: Since 1975, Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint Clinic has treated the orthopedic needs of Middle Tennessee residents. The trained physicians provide surgical options and minimally invasive options to treat all orthopedic needs. The walk-in clinic OrthoQuick helps you bypass the ER while treating sports injuries and acute needs Monday through Saturday. Visit MTBJ online at mtbj.net or on social media at Mid Tennessee Bone Joint Clinic. Welcome back again. Yamo Patton. It is throwback Thursday. We're going to throw it back to last week when we talked with Steve Lehman about Middle Tennessee State hiring Derek Mason.
1: We're doing well. Just um been running, obviously, as as are you, apparently. But I um, appreciate you taking some time with us. But you know, you dealt you dealt with Derek quite often during his Vanderbilt tenure. Uh, and it... Felt like there was some excitement just among folks who had dealt with Derek when he was at Vanderbilt to see him back in the saddle today.
9: Yeah, I think that's fair. I I think, number one, everybody who's dealt with Derek Mason knows the type of man he is, and he's a really upstanding, good, solid man, and I think a really good football coach, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So I think anybody who knows him is excited for him to have an opportunity just personally. But the other side of this, to me, is Chris Massaro coming through on what he said he was setting out to do last week, and that's to try to reinvigorate this Middle Tennessee football program that, let's face it, the crowds have dwindled in the last few years, and it seemed like it had just gotten a bit stagnant, for whatever reason, and that they needed to inject some life into the program. And he said last week, we need to find a guy who's got some personality to him. And that brings a little bit of that pizzazz to the table for this football program. And you kind of wondered who that guy might be and what better guy than a guy who has a great personality that's known in the area that's known by high school football coaches around to come in and excite your fan base. And the other thing about it is it's not just the fan base, but I think you have a lot of people around the country who wouldn't normally pay attention to the middle Tennessee coaching hire that perked up yesterday when the report started to come out that it was Derek Mason, a former SEC coach, a guy who had a lot of success in the Pac-12 as a defensive
2: coordinator at Stanford
9: and a guy with NFL ties. For Middle Tennessee to attract that coach, I think you had a lot of football people take notice.
1: And you know, Steve, for all of the naysayers with regard to his record at Vanderbilt, Derek Mason is one of two Coaches that have taken Vanderbilt to multiple bowl game appearances.
9: Yeah, that's, no, that's a very good point. That was one of the things that I had tweeted at me or x at me, whatever it's called now, <laughs> by multiple people today, about oh, 25 and 57 record or ten and forty-six in the SEC. Well, first off, Middle Tennessee isn't competing in the SEC. And I think we all know Vanderbilt has some challenges. Clark Lee's learning that right now. And every coach other than James Franklin has learned the hard way about the Vanderbilt job dating back to world war II. That's how far you have to go back to find the coach before Franklin to have a winning record in his time at Vanderbilt. That is not an easy job. And Derek Mason got them to two bowl games in that time. It didn't end well, but he made them competitive while he was there. They were more competitive early on in the Mason era than they have been during Clark Lee's first three years. And you can say that about many other coaches there. So I think there's a good track record of Derek Mason, the football coach. And now he has an opportunity to school that he's not gonna have to deal with quite the same academic standards. No knock on Bill Tennessee, but it's not trying to get SEC caliber football players into Vanderbilt and deal with that. You're not dealing with the resource game of Vanderbilt versus Georgia or Alabama or Tennessee. And he just gets to go coach ball with a fertile recruiting ground right there in Rutherford County and the surrounding area here in Middle Tennessee, where I think he can put some pretty competitive football teams on the field almost immediately.
1: And I think a lot of people in this area are going to be excited to see that and go back and look at the rosters that he put together at Vanderbilt. He recruited this area. And so as Chris Massaro was saying, he doesn't need a GPS to get to Brentwood or to Ravenwood or to Riverdale or to those places. He knows he's been on those campuses. He's recruited at those schools successfully. And his team showed that when he was at Vanderbilt. And I think that's gonna be something that's going to drive some excitement in this fan base as well. Seeing yeah, local I think so
9: I think so because when you have people who grew up watching guys play, at Ravenwood or Oakland or Blackman or up at one of the Nashville schools or or a Brentwood or something like that. When you see those kids then play for the local university, it's something to get behind. And I'm with you, Mo. I was sitting there today when Derek was talking about going around to Rutherford County and going to some of the high schools. And I was sitting there thinking, I bet it's like 85% of the time an FBS football coach is hired And he couldn't tell you the county he was in at the introductory press conference because he's moving from across the country or across state lines or whatever. And he's been there for 12 hours and now they just gave him a new tie reflecting the school color and he goes out there and tries to act like he's one of them. Derek Mason has lived in middle Tennessee for 10 years he knows Rutherford County. He's recruited Rutherford County. He knows the coaches down there. And I think that is a really unique advantage that he has as he tries to hit the ground running. First of all, to try to convince the guys he has in the program right now that he wants them and that they need to stick around. But also he's got, what, 20 days before National Signing Day? So he's got to get out there and beat the recruiting path, whether that's at home or out across the country and to have that advantage of already knowing the local high school coaches, knowing the Kevin Creases, knowing those guys down there in that area that spoke very highly of them. That's a huge advantage out of the gate.
1: Absolutely. And Chris Massaro even pointed that out, but he kind of had a a home field advantage, so to speak, from that standpoint. So um, Steve Lehman with News Channel 5 joining us here on Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Um, it just feels like a a good hire a great hire i mean i'm i'm a little biased i guess but just from an objective standpoint steve i mean tim what's what's his last name the dc yeah tim banks i'm sorry was the other guy whose name was closely associated with this vacancy and I don't know how far they got or what happened that he wasn't the guy. But Derek feels like, to me, a better fit for everything that we've already talked about.
9: Yeah, I think basically everything we lined up is the advantage that he has over Tim Banks. He already was a head coach. He already lives in the Middle Tennessee area. He knows the recruiting ground in Rutherford County extremely well and around the Middle Tennessee area. All those things, to me, make a lot of sense and makes Derek Mason a really good hire for this. Now, will that translate to wins? And most importantly for Middle Tennessee fans, will it translate to championships? Because Rick Stockstill won a lot of games as the head coach in Middle Tennessee. And Derek was quick to point out today that he really laid the foundation for what Middle Tennessee football can be in the FBS and in Conference USA. And now it's his job to build on that legacy. That's all well and good. But what Middle Tennessee fans really want to know, I hear all the time when they talk to me, is are we going to win Conference USA? Are we going to win championships? Because that is the thing that has been missing, and there's really no reason why they can't do it. And I think there's a lot of fans out there who have been frustrated as the conference itself has basically been completely overhauled in recent years. Just about the only teams that are still in it that were there just a handful of years ago, our middle Tennessee and Western Kentucky, I think a lot of the fans believed if that's the case, shouldn't we be competing for a championship every single year, if not winning it. And the fact that it hasn't happened, I think has rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. So they've got to ultimately get to that point. And I don't know if Derek Mason will be able to do that. I don't know who would be able to do that, but I think at least on day one, he wins you the press conference he gets the buzz going for the program once again. There is excitement about Middle Tennessee football and a curiosity about what they're doing. And then you couple that with the renovation you're doing to Floyd Stadium. And I think you at least feel like you're putting the things in place to give you the opportunity to be a championship football program year in and year out. And that has always been the goal of the fan base. And now to me, it feels like the administration and the school starting to reflect that priority with this hire and the resources that they're putting into place.
0: You know, as you mentioned early in this conversation, Steve, how it piqued the interest and perked the ears of football people from around the country this hire. As I have been perusing the replies of different media members from here from there from everywhere it's so funny that the only negative comments I'm seeing are from Middle Tennessee State fans everybody else from outside is saying what a fantastic hire for Middle Tennessee State now obviously that's not ideal because you want your fans to be excited and all of your fans to be excited i'm sure there is a because twitter is not a reflection of reality and we all know that but you know that's gotta be you know maybe not day one but in year two year three when he's already made leaps and bounds strides with this program and you've got a brand new facility that, that's that's nearing completion or perhaps completed in that time frame, it's really going to pay off in the end after this, you know, when this five-year deal is done. I think that's true.
9: And for the people who aren't excited about the hire, I guess my question to them is who would excite you? <laughs> and, and that's not to say, <laughs> I mean, look, look, like I'm not trying to tell you that Derek Mason is Nick Saban. But you're not hiring Nick Saban at Middle Tennessee. And so would you be that much more excited if you're a middle fan and the announcement today was that Tennessee defensive coordinator Tim Banks is coming? Or if they would have beaten UTEP to the punch and gotten Scotty Walden from Austin P. Are you more excited about that? I mean, if you are, I'm interested in the argument of why. But to me you got a power five level head coach a guy who has been there and is taking teams to bowl games at that level at one of the toughest if not the toughest power five job there is he's a guy that is widely considered to be one of the best defensive minds in the entire sport not just at the college level but including the nfl level so to me If you're not excited about that, okay, but give me the guy who would excite you if that's the case. And so part of me wonders if that's just a little bit of the apathy that we've been talking about, that you haven't won as much as you expect, you're frustrated by it all, and and you want immediate results. And I feel like today was a home run higher from the press conference perspective for most people who are looking at it reasonably and if if you don't like Derek mason for whatever reason then i want to know who you'd prefer to have in that slot that would make you more excited
2: who would you want and how would middle get him?
0: that's the question sure <laughs> I And mean, look a lot of people did want scotty walden and and in, including you know we talked about it would be a great hire if scotty walden had been hired at middle tennessee state but i don't know that it's a better hire than this one mm-hmm. I think I think Christmas sorrow and again we talked about it, Christmas sorrow has he, he's in a situation where this hire is incredibly important to one his legacy, but particularly his job. Yeah. So it's important for him to get this one right. And, and you know, if this doesn't work, it will not be from a lack of effort.
9: Yeah, no no question about it. And like I said earlier, they're committed to putting in the resources to making sure that Derek Mason has what he needs to build the program that he wants to do there. And that's incredibly important too. It's not just about having the coaching staff in place, it's about having the resources in place as well for that staff and for your team to do everything they need to do. And it feels like that commitment for the first time is fully on board with Middle Tennessee, which is vitally important as well. I just think the other thing is when you look at hires, I think too often people get caught up in, we want a really exciting offensive-minded coach. We want to play wide open. We want to score a ton of points because that would be really exciting. Or, you know, sometimes in the reverse, it's you've been maybe too offensive and had a terrible defense for a while. So then you think, oh, we need a defensive-minded coach that makes us it's a little tougher and more physical as a football team. I think too often decisions are made by administrators that are trying to be football people in a lot of senses about trying to find the sexy thing or the thing they weren't previously, as opposed to trying to find the right fit. And you can make an argument that Scotty Wallace is a really sexy hire right now. And I love the job he did at Austin P. His teams were really fun. I think he could be a good hire for a lot of programs. But I also think when you're looking at Middle Tennessee, it's hard to make the argument that Scotty Walden's a better fit to walk into a job than Derek Mason is right now. And again, that doesn't mean Scottie Walden may not do great things at UTEP or that Derek Mason is automatically going to succeed at Middle Tennessee. But I think the things that Dr. McPhee and Chris Massaro found in this hire were the things that you should be looking for. You should be looking for a guy who reflects the values of what you want, reflects your culture as a campus and as a football program and understands the area. And he even talked about that. He said, I'm a blue collar guy. This is a blue collar program to the point that we should look like the color that we're all wearing in here today. And I thought that was more than a good line. I think that is who Derek Mason is. I think it is what Middle Tennessee, the school is. And if they can replicate that and combine that together, I think they've got a chance to have a lot of success in Conference USA.
0: No question. It's going to be fun to watch. If you're a middle fan, it may not be as much fun for folks like me who is a Jacksonville State fan. But perhaps
1: it will be. Right, look, we hope to make it a nightmare we, for you.
0: We want. <laughs> look, I personally just want it to be a competitive conference at the group of five levels. I don't want Liberty to have to get in because the AAC champion has two losses. I want this conference to be elevated to a level where we are considered the top G5 conference in the country, just like Chris Massaro said, and get that conference or that that college football playoff bid. That's where I want to be. Derek Mason helps Middle Tennessee State elevate itself, and therefore elevates Conference USA, and therefore I am excited because I believe it elevates everybody, rising tides and all. Yeah, so yeah. looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch, Steve. Thanks for, for joining us today. We really appreciate it, and looking forward to uh, maybe getting, getting in touch with you again down the road. Yeah, you bet, guys, anytime. Got that radio voice
8: I do. It's
9: a know, good sounding radio too. Okay.
4: <laughs> As do we. And then here's the other thing. You guys, you're spot on with the name. Everybody wants to be on Main Street. Everybody wants to be on Main Street. So. A- and
0: we reach every Main Street in Middle Tennessee. Yeah,
4: that's it. So Perfect. when you are on Main Street and you are moving, got to love it. Like you're moving. I was impressed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad someone.
0: I don't know if that was on purpose or not, Justin, but that was a heck of a promo, considering that the last guy in the promo is our next guest. So what a segue it is.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) It makes it easy to bring SEC Assistant Commissioner, former Duke football coach David Cutcliffe, into Main Street Sports today. Coach, welcome back. How's it going?
4: Well, good. I've been listening uh, to the previous segment. I'm looking at the stuff behind you. I'm catching an orange and white. Jersey with Manning on the back put me in a good mood appreciate that and then uh, Derek Mason is a good friend and uh, someone that I think very highly of he and his wife both will bring a lot of uh, energy and genuineness uh, to Murfreesboro Uh, no question about that as will who were on to talk about uh, Jeff Ferris uh, to Clarksville.
1: Tell us more, Coach, about Jeff Ferris, the new Austin P coach, because he was um, he was with you during your time over at Duke.
4: Yeah, he um, I, I knew Jeff's family when I was in Knoxville. They became good friends, and Jeff was a really good high school football player that was probably headed to Harvard when I got the job at Duke, and a great student, great person. And I immediately recruited him to come to Duke. Uh, I knew he would make us better on and off the field, which which he did. Um, and it's amazing uh, to, to watch what he did. I can tell you that kind of, yeah, you know, he, I didn't know what Jeff exactly wanted to do. He had the intellect to do anything he wanted to do. And then he told me right off the bat, he said, Coach, I want to sit. Even though I may play defense or offense or receiver or said, so I really like to sit in the quarterback meetings and learn football, listening to you talking about that position and talking about defense. And I said, sure. So as a player, he basically ran our scout team defense because he knew what we were trying to get looks at at quarterback. He was back there in the secondary doing that. Um, did some things in the kicking game for us as a player, but. In three years, he was he was graduated from Duke with a perfect GPA, and I'm when I'm telling you, smart. He, he makes me really dumb, okay. And, uh, he he's he's brilliant. And then he got another degree the next year. It was in economics, I think, his degree. Mm-hmm. And Then he got a master's in economics, and then I hired him as a GA. I wasn't gonna let Jeff leave, so he was a graduate assistant for us and went to graduate school in divinity. Now I'm even feeling worse. I'm like, hey, I'm the real blue devil, you know, maybe I'm the, the black devil. And Jeff goes to divinity <laughs> school and does great. And then at 24 years old, I made him the youngest assistant position coach in the Power Five. He, at, at different times, coached receivers for us, coached tight ends, coached quarterbacks, coached part of special teams. And Jeff and I used to talk a lot about this. I would get young people asking me, young coaches, coach, how can I become a head coach? Well, you you don't become one. Uh you you have to be one from the get-go. You ha- you have to understand that you should be the best football coach on the staff, meaning no offense, defense, line play, special teams, secondary. You got to have a thirst for it. Well, I told Jeff that when he was a freshman talking to me about coaching. I would come into the office, and he would be sitting in John Latina's office, our offensive line coach, learning offensive line play. Um, so I think people are, that are listening to this are understanding who Jeff Ferris is. And um, I had, when he was a GA, I had a coach on our staff, Sonny Lubick's son, Matt Lubick, who I love dearly matt was a great organized recruiter and signed a lot of players for us from california from just about everywhere and jeff sat with him and talked recruiting every day and so he quickly became the best recruiter on our staff he is tireless he's got great energy but i started this by comparing he and Derek mason he's genuine he is a great person his wife natalie is a great person. I, I feel like a grandfather everywhere because all of our young coaches all got married and had children through, throughout our career, uh, through 20 years at Ole Miss and Duke, um, and and just I, I love every minute of watching Jeff grow. And so when I was asked about him, I said I don't know what your 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 needs are in your mind. You know that I don't. Jeff Ferris already is a head coach. He just doesn't hold the position. So I'm excited. He won't even hardly answer my text, which makes me smile, because I know he's 900 miles an hour. I got one at 1 a.m. this morning, which is appropriate uh, for him. And uh, but he knows, you know, I'm here for him anytime, and I'm excited to see what happens to already a program that's really been on the rise and had taken other good steps under Gerald Harrison's care. Uh, so I, I'm really excited for the people that are around Austin P in the great town of Clarksville. And by the way, prayers there. Uh, I know a lot of people that suffered a lot of loss uh, there in a lot of ways. So, um, yeah, prayer for all you guys in Middle Tennessee. That was frightening.
1: Well, Coach, we appreciate that. And and I know you go way back with Clarksville, um, one of the greatest offensive linemen ever to play at the University of Tennessee, Harry Galbraith from Clarksville. But um, you mentioned Gerald Harrison. He, you and he were at Duke at the same time as well. And I figured that that might've had something to do with this.
4: Well, he got introduced to Jeff that way. I brought Gerald from Tennessee to Duke and, um, You know, I think it was an opportunity. Gerald was, you know, looked at in a a way, I think, at Tennessee was a little different. He came in and got an assistant athletic director's position, Um, just took off from there. After Kevin White saw him, I don't know, a year and a half or two years over there with us, he snatched him from me into the mainstream of senior associate's And uh, he, he, he went from there and Gerald is a superstar in himself with a great work ethic. But uh, yeah, that exposed him to Jeff. I mean, when y'all are around him and you spend time with him, you're going to see what I'm talking about. He's, he's a great person, but he's eloquent. He can speak, you know, you got to slow him down sometime. I say, Jeff, we're in the South, man. You know, his parents are both from Boston. So I said, Hey, you know, we can't, calculate that many words a minute. Okay. We're Southerners down here. So <laughs> I, I slow him down every now and then, but, uh, just I, I kind of knew from the get go that, that there was something special there.
0: Coach David Coakliff joining us here on main street sports today, talking a little bit about new Austin P football coach, Jeff Ferris. And, you know, coach, you mentioned it. We, we've got a a great contingent of, uh, football coaches in middle Tennessee at the collegiate level right now with Derek and and Jeff coming on board just feels like this is a really good time for middle Tennessee. And, And, you know, when you talk about taking that next step, this is, this is obviously a program that has, like you said, been on the rise, but Jeff gives them the ability to continue doing that through, you know, the game being an offensive game right now, it feels like. Yeah. When, when you are, are trying to be, at that highest level of the FCS, it feels like it's a quarterback-driven game. How does, how does Jeff play into that? You know, he just got a massive, quarterback recruit from East Carolina, uh, a, a transfer. It's already paying dividends. This is this is going to be a big step for for Austin P and for Jeff. It feels well, like this is right. not his end game.
6: Yeah, I had
4: him coach Riley Leonard when Riley came in, and uh, uh, Riley just made him incredible jumps in progress, and you know it got him got him ready. And Jeff's got a great reputation already uh, offensively, and those kids are going to know that, but. But what what I talked with Jeff about is at the FCS level, sure you're going to lose some people occasionally to the portal, that get lured to the FBS or even a Power 5 level, but you got a program there at Austin P. And you get the right people instilled in the right spots and you build around it. But he knows how to develop a program. That that's what we had to do at Duke. It was not instant success. You, you and you got a chance to develop some greatness there, um in every position. And I know he's carefully going through his staff to to know that he's gotta have coaches that win every day. And Jeff's got one thing on his mind and that that'd be national championship. And why wouldn't you think that and you're a you're in a playoff driven league.
5: Um
4: and you know that's what he's gonna strive to do and build but you surround yourself with winners. You surround yourself with people that have those same focused goals. I don't know if I like the word goals. Uh, sometimes that just, I just think daily habits uh, are champions. Uh, that's where you see the difference. And so whether it's a, a Peyton Manning, a Eli Manning, a, you know, all these guys, he's shooter. Just speak of some, and then of course Daniel Jones and Riley it's Jeff understands daily habits he's got him himself as a coach and he will have those players understanding that their
1: practices
4: will be fun to watch I can promise you that
1: and coach you know you you're familiar with the talent level that will be at Jeff's disposal just out his backyard I mean Middle Tennessee talent has exploded here over the last 10 to 15 years it's going to be a lot easier for him to Continue that rise for Austin P from a recruiting standpoint than maybe it has been for for previous coaches up there.
4: Well, I, I certainly hope so and believe that. You know, I hammered the doors of uh, Nashville starting back in 1982, and as the city and the area erupted, uh, so did high school football. Uh, you know, we we we've come a million miles since that time when I was working for coach majors, but every player that I ended up signing out of Nashville ended up being really good football players for us at Tennessee. And then later I signed some at Ole Miss that were extremely important to our success. Um, and what I, I'll give you one, I'm, I'm getting ready to do a thing on Patrick Willis from Brewston, not all mm-hmm. that far from you guys and Patrick, you know, on this day and age of stars was a, I think a three star guy after we, we offered him, but you find those guys in camps, uh, you work hard, you turn every stone you develop and Jeff will develop great relationships with the high school coaches. And then you start learning those coaches when they say, Hey, I got one. And you know, that one knows what he's talking about and you find those guys. And nobody knew Patrick Willis's name as a freshman until he covered a kickoff in Oxford against Alabama. And on the, about the 12-yard line, a guy caught the ball on the goal line, brought it out, his mistake, and Patrick <laughs> separated his body and the ball, and they're still hunting body parts on that return, man, on the square in Oxford, Mississippi. So, yeah, everybody knew Patrick's name then. Um, and he was freshman All-American, but you can find those guys. And I talked to Jeff about that. I said, you know, hit the road, man. You know, get your coaches out there, win every day, and and he'll have that that opportunity. And I don't know, I can't keep up with him. I don't know anybody that can. I, I think I could have in my youth, but I I I had to say, Jeff, slow down. We're not going to twelve schools today, okay? You know. <laughs> But, but he, he will take advantage of that opportunity. And I'm a, I'm a big fan of Tennessee high school football. And, uh, you know, you mentioned coaches. I'll mention Clark Lee, who's become a friend in my role mm-hmm. in the SEC. And I coached against Clark when he was a defensive coordinator. What a terrific football coach. And it may not look like it to people the way this season went, but that's, people don't understand Saturdays is not the only time you measure a coach. There are a lot of things that can occur that affect outcomes on a Saturday. But I go to Vanderbilt for campus visits, and I see all those folks up there winning every day. Every day, I d- I see the same thing up uh, in Knoxville. So you do have some outstanding football coaches, you know, in the state. But right there in Middle Tennessee, that's some really good football coaches as well as the collegiate you also have them in the high school level so no. i'm excited for austin p and i'm certainly excited for jeff ferris
0: no question you mentioned your uh role in the sec and we'd be remiss if we didn't ask you how much how much of a role you played in the schedule obviously you know last night it was released we know that you you were the one who put florida and alabama back to back for tennessee <laughs> No,
4: I I stay away from that. There's a company that we've hired, and they've done an amazing job, the people that stay in the midst of that uh, scheduling. But the balance of that schedule over a 10-year span is scary balanced. There's just not much leeway. And you know what? My wife looked at it, and she said, this is crazy. And I said, wait a minute. Everybody gets used to this because mm-hmm. records are going to change. Uh-huh. You can't have a league like that. Look at the NFL. Who won the Super Bowl a year ago? The Chiefs. They don't have a lot of different people, but how many losses do they have right now? Four. Um, there's going to be two and three and four lost teams that are very good football teams.
0: Yeah, there's no um, question. It, You're right because it's easy to be balanced when everybody's good.
4: Well, and you look at the the schedules, each one, you know, because you could pick any of them and think, dang, man, that's challenging. And I looked at it as a coach. Some of them I'm wondering how I could sleep all summer. Oh, my
6: gosh.
4: (laughs) You know, uh, and, and that does, that keeps you up. You start your summer scout reports. You get your staff working on it. And, um, And then you do your own studies. That's kind of what I did during my vacation. And Lord, that can get heavy in the summer. Let alone at least it's one week at a time. In the in the fall, you can't think ahead. But man, when you're looking ahead, it's frightening.
0: Coach David Coakliff joining us here on Main Street Sports Today. Coach, we appreciate your time so much today. Thanks for enlightening us on Jeff Ferris. We are very excited to have him here in Middle Tennessee and at Austin Peay. We know he's going to do great things. Yeah, just don't
4: put my picture and Jeff's picture together up there anymore because, man, does he make me look bad.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hey. We know how you feel. We know how you yeah, feel. I
4: got it. All right,
0: guys. Take Thanks, care. Coach. The
4: main men on Main Street.
8: That's what Thank you, Coach. We go. appreciate it. All
0: right. Take care. All right. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about that SEC schedule and more right after this on Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Barn Joints. Joint. Stick around.
2: Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service, and our ortho-quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net.
0: Welcome back in Main Street Sports. Today is presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Chris Yao and... Mo Patton here on this Throwback Thursday. Man, two great segments there. Going back to Steve Lehman talking about Derek Mason and of course Coach David Cutcliffe. Man, I would have
1: Coach Cut on every week if we could.
0: <laughs> it's just he's he is a wealth of knowledge and just a, an entertaining
1: guest. And the thing about it is, when he's on the mic, when he's off the mic. Same it's the age. same guy
0: yeah it, it's story time with coach cut would be a, an absolute blast I, I, I'd, I'd imagine just,
1: he's got a couple
0: just ran just all right coach what's your story today? well i'll you know think like about 1984 when you know <laughs> I've,
1: I've, I've said it that you know one of one of i would think one of the plum assignments would be covering a team that charles barkley was on when he was playing because mm-hmm. i mean if there's a slow news day you just walk in and you just stick the recorder in front of charles and just let, let him go, go. I, I think coach cut would be the same way yeah
0: no doubt as we mentioned in that segment the sec did release its first schedule with 14 teams 16. six i'm sorry 16 teams. i know that's insane (laughs) (laughs) and and so and and
1: as as miss cutcliffe said that's crazy
0: it it is crazy (laughs) uh and so we'll we'll kind of go through it here Uh, wade if you want to pull that mic in you can certainly join us wade neely who is sitting in the building the
1: the video-less wade neely we can't see wade but we can hear It could be. Well, well I mean, if there's me. if there's somebody that we don't want to see, I'm not sure that you're it, but okay. Um, here's the here's what folks are going to have to get used to about this: is divisions are gone. No divisions. So how, how do we feel about that? I don't know. And I think it's I think it's going to be really interesting when it comes time to protect. To, to break ties. I mean, what if you have got a tie for the number two spot and, and they they've it. not played each other and they've not played the same folks? And I'm sure there's something in place for it, but I mean, it's...
0: Yeah, I would love to know uh, because it is going to be different. Mm -hmm. And I, I, you know, I really don't know the answer to that. I don't know how, how
1: that I I feel like, I feel like as smart as the people are
0: sure, in the Southeastern
1: Conference office, they have some contingency in place for that. I would love to know what it is.
0: There were some teams who were pretty happy, I think, and others who
6: were not. I don't. I'm interested here because it looks
0: like everybody has two off weeks, mm-hmm. which is unusual. But it, everybody's playing on week zero this year, and I wonder if that's the if that's what they have to do now. Like at the SEC, because normally not every SEC team plays on week zero. It's it's you know it's it's typically not been the case, but every team is playing week zero this year. You've got Georgia, Clemson, Florida, Miami, LSU, USC. That's going to be fun in Vegas. Uh, Texas A and, Texas and Notre Dame, and then Vandy, Virginia Tech. That's interesting. Man, I don't know. This is this is really this is really wild. I was trying to see who all has off weeks before Alabama because you know that's always their big gripe. Georgia is off before playing Alabama, as is LSU.
1: That's that's LSU's second off week.
0: And then as is Oklahoma,
1: their second Miss, off week. Okay, Mississippi State is off before they play Georgia, but let's see.
0: Mississippi, so that's three teams with off weeks before Alabama, including Georgia.
6: Um, that's unfortunate.
0: <laughs> They're going to gripe about that. I can did, tell you. Did you mention that Vanderbilt is off
10: before they play Alabama?
0: I didn't. I didn't get that far down. <laughs> they are. So four, four teams who are off before playing Alabama. half of the half of their half of their eight
1: team schedule.
0: Half of their eight team conference games will be. Oh, the okay. opponent
1: will be coming off an off week. That
0: is remarkable.
1: Alabama's off before they play Georgia and LSU.
0: Well, okay, so they're both they both have an off week before those two. Okay, well that makes you feel a little better. Tennessee plays Florida before playing Alabama back to back. Alabama has Vanderbilt and South Carolina the two weeks before it comes to Knoxville.
5: Just
4: doesn't feel like the same comparison.
0: Uh, no. no. Well I don't know, South Carolina, if they it well, they just got Rocket Sanders.
1: Okay. They And they're in on KJ. They're in on KJ
0: Jefferson. I mean, perhaps I don't know. Which South Carolina may be decent.
1: Good. And even. and unfortunately, South Carolina and Arkansas do not play this year.
0: Oh man, that's what we were hoping for yesterday. We sure were. That is unfortunate. But, you know, Tennessee has a pretty solid schedule. They open with Oklahoma. That's a that, that's a tough one. Oklahoma's first SEC game will be at home against Tennessee. You don't think they're going to come ready?
5: Yeah.
4: Yeah.
1: yeah. Welcome to the, to the Big
4: Show.
0: <laughs> For both those
5: teams.
4: For both. Yeah, because yeah.
0: the last the last time they played was an absolute dogfight in Knoxville. Mm-hmm.
1: And and I will tell you, Oklahoma folks, I mean, that entire contingent, the fan base, the players, the coaching staff, those folks that were in Neyland Stadium, that they will tell you that they had not been in another environment that was as intimidating. I think Tennessee earned a lot of respect from, you know, arguably one of the top programs in the country the way they showed up and showed out that day. And so when Tennessee goes to Norman, it'll be interesting to see what they're able to do out there.
0: Oklahoma's got a really tough schedule. Big 12 Houston and Tulane before Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Then they go to Auburn, and we all know what can happen when you go there. Then they're off before Texas and Dallas at the Cotton Bowl. They get South Carolina at home, then they got to go to old miss. That's not an easy game. Then Como as well. You skip Maine. I said tough schedule. I also <laughs> skipped Temple. <laughs> and, then and then they've got Alabama. And you gotta LSU look to watch out for those Black Bears. You better watch out. They're actually a pretty good FCS team. Mm-hmm. But you've got Alabama and LSU to close the year. That is brutal. Yeah. Brutal. Nobody has a tougher Final stretch than that. I mean, as I'm maybe maybe Florida who ends with Ole Miss and Florida State.
1: Auburn's got A and M and Alabama
0: to close. (laughs) Well, I'm I'm holding out on A and M right now, just because I don't
1: know. Uh, But and then LSU Tennessee for Vanderbilt. That's a tough stretch too. (laughs) Kentucky goes to Texas and then has Louisville at home to close out.
0: I mean, it's not been a tough game for Kentucky recently. <laughs> they pretty well ran roughshod over Louisville the last couple of years. A good point. That's- but the- they, but they are was. a good – yeah, they're a good football team. There's, there's, I mean, you you don't just show up and play. And it's a rivalry and all of that. So, But, yeah, I mean, look, this SEC football season will be the most entertaining. And here's what – again, you're going to have some two, three, four lost teams who have got some who, – who are going to be really good, but – some of those two lost teams are going to be in the mix for the playoffs. Got to be. And maybe even one of the three lost teams.
1: It's going to change the landscape.
0: It changes everything. You can lose a couple games now. Every game doesn't matter, but a lot more games on the back end of the schedule certainly matter, I think, and that's going to be a lot of fun.
1: And and,
0: and as I say, it just means more. It just means more. We'll come back tomorrow on Friday. We'll we'll be picking games tomorrow. Justin, get ready. We got bowl games to pick starting tomorrow. Saturday bowl games are underway. We'll see you then.